the Mindset Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Robert. I'm a two-time Paralympian, online training and nutrition coach, and owner of James Robert Fitness. You can find more of my content by going to my website, fitamputee.co.uk. But before we get started with today's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners. And if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, i got Otakara Klitsky. She is an international best-selling author of the Hear Your Body Whisper, How to Unlock Your Self-Healing Mechanism. From a sick childhood and constant health limitations, she also spent the first 20 years of her life being bound to a hospital bed or home in bed. When she slowly discovered that there is a way to communicate with her body, her life turned around. So welcome on to the show, Atakara. Hi, thank you for having me. So before we delve into today's topic, can we talk about your upbringing first of all? Um, yes, yes. And I think the topic kind of goes in my upbringing because um, bulk of my book were was or like sources out of my childhood um but unfortunately i i had a bunch of health limitations so like my childhood was because of it a little different um i think you can hear in my accent that it's not originally <laughs> english so my childhood was in the czech republic or czech republic part of at that time czechoslovakia and um it was, you know, I grew up having, unfortunately, I grew up having a bunch of health issues pretty much ever since I was very little, ever since I was about two years old. So things uh, did not work out always the same. I should not say the best. I didn't, as a little child, I really didn't see myself that limited because I was, I, I learned to live having a lot of health problems and staying home. And a lot, oftentimes it was, I remember having one year, like 87% missed hours at, at school. So I was much more home than I was at school. Thankfully, I really never had a problem catching up when I went back. And, and at that time, especially living uh, in Czech uh, at that era um, in 80s when I was a kid, uh, it was still, it was still in a communism. So there was really nothing much to watch on TV. So I read whole bunch of books because I was a lot of times at home so uh, at least uh, to me looking back I don't feel so bad because I became such a bookworm um, which turned me into an author much later on in life although then later on growing up the health issues started to be worse and worse so they started to be a little bit of more uh, more problems and limitations on things I was allowed or able to do. And uh, so later on, like once I became a teenager and um, adolescent, young adult, I started to really rebel against the limita- these limitations, uh, whether they were my health or even the limitations that were put on me because of the doctors or my family. All in a good will. I shouldn't say the limitations of my family put on me because of my health. So. Um, they all meant the best, but uh, it, it was at that point like I had enough of the years of being at home and not doing things till I just decided that it's time for me to to be free of any issues and, um, and it was time to fix my health on my own because I really did not have um, a lot of other people around me try to help the doctors or everything and it did not seem they were going anywhere what they were barely able to do it's put a patch on something like at the moment a little tiny band-aid but it seemed almost that a band-aid itself would eventually cause something even worse but do you think growing up in the eastern what it was the former eastern block had an implication on your health or would you say it would not have differed if you'd have been in a the well quote unquote western world oh gosh that is i think it would be the same it's hard for me to judge 
right now, but I don't think at that time, I think the healthcare system was not bad, actually. Um, they would send me every year I would go to for like a couple months when I was actually during my like healthiest times. And they would send me for like usually around like eight weeks, six to eight weeks to like some like mountain location where they would send other kids who would have like a lot of health issues and we would be doing a lot of different kinds of like long-term therapies that I, it was believed that was healthy so it was always another like couple months out away from school um in my in my life and being around kids who had a lot of health issues which made me feel kind of more normal there because I was surrounded by those who had uh, similar problems. So actually, I don't necessarily think it would be any worse. Almost, I would almost guess it would be better because um, I am a believer that, uh, and this has nothing to do whether it was an Eastern Bloc or no. Uh, I'm living in the United States right now and the healthcare here, it's very profit oriented. And so with having like permanent issues, I would be really, really scared to be going to the doctors here because they could really have me reeled back in like as often as they wanted to. So they could really milk the insurance a lot. And I grew up in a system where, um, you know, entire politics aside, the healthcare was in the hands of the government and i think that you know that does not i wanted to say this does not like reflect the any kind of political stand except i think that having a healthcare in the hands of government is the best benefit for the patient because the government actually has a reason to have you healthy. The government wants you to pay taxes. If you're not at work working and if you're not productive, you're not paying taxes, therefore the government suffers. So having a healthy patient is much more, it's much more profitable for them. It's a benefit for the government. Where if you have a healthcare system that is based on profit, where your sickness brings the profit to the doctors, uh, pharmaceutical companies, the profit there is far too huge to like, I personally don't really feel um, that I can trust so much because I don't know who's going to profit on me and would want me like back at the hospital because there is some more issues. So um, like I said, politics aside, I actually think uh, at that time, like I said, like they would send me for a couple months during the healthy time to like mountain location. So my breathing would get better and we would be singing in a room filled with salty steam again. So we would be like getting a really nice, like salty steam um, into our lungs. And hopefully, I mean, the desire was that we would get better. It's hard for me to judge whether it was or wasn't any better for me in any years following because I did have these issues. So without a question, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if it was beneficial for any scale or no. They said it was, there was a sort of a prevention program. So I think like on that scale, it, it is good because the government looks after like making, they figure out that actually trying to do any kind of prevention of anything is better than like later on cure the cure the sickness or cure the disease. So that would that I think probably. <laughs> and Otakara, now moving on to kind of the present day and kind of coming to terms with writing the book. What was kind of the for you being the precursor to, to wanting to write it? Um, the 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 big precursors were one thing was that I always wanted to write a book. I actually, I learned to read in very young age when I was still in like preschool or kindergarten age. Like I remember like going to school where kids learn to read. And I was at that time, I was a completely fluent reader. So I was super bored and, and, uh, and, reading was like a huge part so I always wanted to be a writer when I was a little kid I wanted to be an author I wanted to write children's books I wanted to illustrate them and 
then the life happened you know i grew up then teenage years happened life happened and i sort of swayed away of from this dream it's not like it wasn't there but it was more like you know it was kind of the dream you put inside of a glass box and you put it on a you put it somewhere on your shelf in a living room and the dream kind of exists there and you constantly with, with the idea it would be really cool if i wrote a book but you never do and then i moved to united states and uh, and i lived here for at a time over a decade and i just realized like without the words without writing while i was in check in, in prior i would I would write no matter what. I would just write for myself. I would write stories and had them, you know, all over in different bits and pieces of the papers. And so when I was here and I was here for like a decade and I came kind of in like, it was a kind of a like age of my life where I was a mom. I had a 10 year old daughter and I was at home all the time. Uh, she was homeschooled. She is still a homeschool. And I just needed something else in my life. And, uh, and, it, I felt like unfulfilled. And so for the first time I was able to just go like, you know what, like nobody knows you in America, like really here. I can just give it a shot. I can just give it a try. And I basically, I call it, I gave myself a permission to suck. Uh, and I told myself it'll, it'll probably be, it will probably suck. It'll probably never ever be a good book. And, but it was a book that I wanted to write about for a long time. And so it was in that dream pedestal of like writing a book they were like few books that i wanted to write about and uh, i was basically it was in uh, 2016 and uh, i uh, that year i was turning 40 years old and i wanted to go in my 40s with something i didn't want to like cross over the decade and go like you know i'm crossing over now i'm gonna be depressed because i'm a decade older and now i have four in front of my uh, number and i wanted to like have something else and so I wrote a book for myself as a present to my 40th birthday. It took me about two weeks after my birthday to actually publish it. But I did take seven months prior to, to make it happen. So it took a little, just a you know, few days longer, but um, it really changed the game. And uh, amazingly enough, the book, I like barely just made myself a promise. I will finish and finish writing it. That book really spoke to the audience and had uh, I had a great response on the book and uh, that changed basically everything for me and from that on I focus on writing fully. And in your own words what does the title mean to you? The title means that um, we are all equipped every single one of us you are and every one of us is equipped with a self-healing mechanism. To which extent that self-healing mechanism can help you, that's individual. But without a question, you know, no matter whatever is your health history or your health issues, it's there. And more you try to listen to it and you kind of align yourself, and I'm speaking about self as being that you know, soul kind of mingled with your brain, mind. Uh, so when your self itself starts to get aligned with the body, um, which in real perspective, 90% of your body cells are actually not even human cells. They are cells of different microorganisms. Then... Uh, you really the body the body itself it's really not you 90% of it it's actually not even your own cells so it brings this perspective of like becoming you know hear your body whisper it's would be similar to if I would say like listen to your child if your child has issues like don't go asking some psychologist what is the issue with your child um, I'm not saying don't go to the psychologist with your child but listen to your child first before you're going to make any kind of decisions what you're going to do with it so this was basic this is basic principle in a book is to find a way and it shows the path of finding the communication uh, through basically a friendship and love that it's connected with your body with being able to separate yourself from your body and seeing your body as a beautiful farm that has 
trillions of different organisms that you are in charge of just like a farmer and it's your response and therefore it is your responsibility but if you're not gonna listen to all those little tiny organisms if you're not gonna listen to what that farm needs in order to function properly you will not have successful you know farm you will not have a successful body your body can do so much more for you and it will do so much more if you just give it a chance i love that analogy that you use when i was reading the bio on amazon of talking about the farm because when you break it down into simple terms it's well like you talk about it's made up of multiple organisms it is really on the outside of it it's exactly like that you're trying to uh, organize different things that are out of your control at times. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a, I have a chapter that it's called farming your body. So it's, it's very much too. It's very much, it changes the perspective. It basically changes the helps to change the perspective because what I find, uh, especially among women is that it is very hard for us to love ourselves. So there you have like a bunch of memes and everybody goes around like, you got to love your body if you don't love yourself. But what on the end, like what it is, like the question is, what it is to love your body? Is it to love your, you always should love your body because it always does its best. But a lot of times what I find unfortunate in this culture is that people love their own bad habits and they fight with the society to, and they call their own bad habits, the love towards the body, which actually oftentimes it isn't. So I wanted to show a different path. I wanted to show a path that actually truly brings the love to the body. That at that point where you come to that point, your body, when you get to that level, you will return to not only better health, but also better body shape without actual like necessary will like and you don't but you have to like stop fighting everyone else around you and go like you know what i love eating donuts for breakfast because like it's i'm completely confident in my body and i'm not trying to say it's a this is a bad approach it's just i'm just trying to alter that approach a little bit to actually truly ask yourself are you really fighting maybe the people around you or are you fighting society because my book isn't about that my book is on truly just aligning with the body without any society without anyone telling you anything really and and making it your own mission to be in that peace peaceful stage to the point, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether somebody gives you compliment. The compliment, I mean, it's nice, but it's not something that should really like tickle your ego. But just at the same time, if somebody would say something mean or bad, or you, like you will not have that feeling of anyone giving you a bad look at yourself because you are confident with what it is and the relationship of you and your body, it's constantly... Um, Especially at the beginning, it's like, it's, it's a journey. So your body starts improving and because your body starts seeing your own attention to it. Uh, and that's why I compare it to the farm. Like, so basically you are using, I, I'm using that terminology. So the reader is aware of the mass that the body is that, and then the reader is aware that they are all those trillions of organisms. There is 10,000 different species 10,000 species living on top of our skin, inside of our, our body. Um, they extract nutrients. They turn things, in, they turn pro-vitamins into vitamins in our body. Um, they are responsible for healing our sicknesses, for, for our immune system. Our immune system is very, very, very little dependent on human cells. It's mostly dependent on other cells. And so because we are, it is so much easier for us as you know, especially women, it's so much easier to love and help someone else, to always go and nurture someone else. We'll always go and nurture our children. But we put ourselves on a back burner oftentimes. And it is hard to love ourselves, but it's much easier to love someone else and help them and truly help them, like have true desire to help on a scale that is actually helpful to the other person. So in my book, I put the body in position where you're loving that you're loving all those organisms you're loving this you're loving your farm and this was this is a path to 
put you in a place where your body starts responding because I think the biggest blockage is sort of a self-guilt a lot oftentimes to um to our own habits to our own things and and self-judgment that never should come like no matter whatever you shape you are no matter what point you're starting the, the self-judgment just has to be dropped in order for the body to to function for you we, at, at any point if you are alive if you listen to this podcast uh, you can be 100 sure that your body did its best under the circumstances to keep you alive and you can give up on your body you can really live life where you like just don't care but your body has never ever if you think about it deeply your body has never ever gave up on you at any point even if you were at your worst if you survived it that body was fighting for your survival to be here and uh, so this book is basically based on that based on bringing the the love and relationship the friendship with your body to like scalable level that you can grasp and the reader can take it and change their health they can change how they feel um and go on and, and be better you know have better life do you think on the flip side of that Altakala, that if you have the kind of the perception of you think you're going to be ill you can kind of put your body in a kind of a negative state and kind of a toxicity and then it actually responds and becomes that way kind of it's a bit like a hypochondria you think you've got an illness and then it kind of the, the mental side of things it actually perceived to then take that on board absolutely absolutely that's a great question that's a great question and it's very 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 true uh, I have a friend and who's a psychiatrist and she says that 90% of any sickness starts in your head. And there are many psychiatrists who actually say like, it doesn't uh, necessarily mean that, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that um, if you have issues that you develop that did not necessarily start in your head or like your head's gonna start, let's say, stomach issues it's more likely that you might be predisposed something and if you're going to have a stress and you're going to think of yourself of having some sort of illness or having some sort of problems um that the weak point every one of us has a certain weak points and i i saw it very clearly as a child where uh, you know i started when i was you know, from about a year and a half when I started to have a pneumonias and I started to have respiratory issues. But then later on, in a fifth grade, my liver gave out and then I have issues with my ovaries when I was in my teenage age. But all of these things were like sort of dormant there. Like I was predisposed to every one of them. Um, even the years prior, it was just a question of when these things will come into the light and i think this is happens to us so it's not necessarily saying like if somebody say like you know i have this issues i have allergies and they think that it's just that's just what it is like that you cannot psychologically cause yourself an allergies and with allergies specifically i find that's extremely psychologically driven like you can fix your allergies with the level of how you think and there is a lot of it does not mean that it's untrue what is happening in your body but it means that your body has the capacity and somehow you're not connecting to this uh, to this capacity of healing so a lot of issues you know, and a lot of people say like like my psychiatrist friend that i even said in a book there was actually done study on it and um psychologists psychiatrists doctors they do agree that our own mind is the worst thing usually what happens when it comes to terms of our own health we don't know it like we stress the stress is you know perceived as a as a true health um issue if you're gonna put yourself under tons of stress it's going to show at some point somewhere the certain level of stress or spikes of stress 
on the other hand can help us just like going to the gym and you work out uh, if you keep working out you're not there all day long you're not you're not spending all your waking hours running on a treadmill or like lifting weights or doing something so um it's it's a short burst but these short bursts build build your physical muscles your body makes you healthier so if you have like small bursts of stress all these things can be beneficial for your mind but unfortunately we live in a society modern society where whether we do it consciously or whether our society pushes us into it we pushes us into very permanent stage of stress we push ourselves into permanent stage of self-judgment of cultural judgment if we don't feel like we fall into what is socially acceptable or the way it is we struggle and all these struggles eventually show somewhere they will show by some sort of weak spot and they can show as some organ failures allergies asthma uh, so many other things that it will become real the, the sickness becomes real because you are not giving the attention to your farm you're not helping those little tiny farm helpers who are there to truly help you but when we stress and when we not pay don't pay attention and i feel like when we give our health as a first place to the hands of someone else and it doesn't matter to me it doesn't really matter whether you are oriented as a person who goes to the traditional doctor or if you want to go see a shaman or if you want to go see some sort of a healer it's still a secondary person no matter what it's not you and I feel that a lot of times, even people go like, oh, but I don't like doctors. Um, you know, I'm using natural path. I go to the natural path. You're still asking this question to someone else. You're actually still asking someone else who's not inside your body to guess on their experience what is going on in your body. And I believe if they spend many years, they can definitely make good guesses, but it's never like the real thing you should go first within yourself and then once you have that answer within yourself then go to them then go to a secondary person or decide whether it's even important whether you can actually whether your body can handle it um, on its own without actually asking anyone else so i definitely believe the power of making yourself sick is is huge i've done it as a teenager a lot of times just to get out of school because i could get myself sick within minutes if i wanted to so but Otakara, in terms of like lowering stress, would it be good that people try to implement a form of either meditation or mindfulness to get rid of, well, what quote, quote unquote is a form of to uh, toxin? Absolutely. Absolutely. The only way you want to, you want to be able to talk to your body is through the, some it's is through mindfulness you have to be able to be mindful and so basically um, mindfulness teaches us about being in a moment and a lot of times in these mindful moments when we practice them um, and they're excellent they we focus on like being now and we still focus on our surroundings so basically in my tea teachings in a book it's very much about mindfulness It's very much about meditation in it but instead of like focusing on what is present mindful on the outside you're just invert that i inside yourself and you do your meditation you do your mindfulness and be mindful of what is happening to you at that moment inside yourself so 100 percent, it's very 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 important to slow down because we are looking into communicating with trillions of organisms that are way too little to be grasping the speed of our like where our mind wants to take us so we kind of we have to lower the energy just like you would want to lower the energy if you wanted to talk to like be with a young child you kind of have to um, change your tone of voice if you want to talk to a young child you want to change your attitude because you cannot talk to a toddler the same way you're going to talk to your peer but how would you go about doing that i know people would assume with meditation and 
mindfulness, you're going to want to slow down your breathing. But how would you internalize to be able to communicate with the rest of your body? I actually uh, have with my book that is I give a free meditation. There is a free downloadable meditation that people can, um, and actually it's written. I have it in a way that uh, everybody can take it. And I suggest that everybody actually records it themselves with their own voice. So they hear themselves. And one of the things, part of it is actually acceptance of your voice because a lot of people go like, oh, I cannot relax if I just, I'm not going to say. And it's a, it's a conscious practice. Like you have to practice to speak nicely to yourself. So it's a, it's a great step. And also if you have the um, written down meditation is then uh, you can adjust it to your specific needs because some places when you go in. And so what I have there. Actually, anybody can download it at vakarakletki.com. So the meditation is free up there on my website. Um, and basically you go and I do it that you kind of like go in with your breathing. breathing. You go inside your lungs and then you jump on a freshly oxygenated vessel and you take a tour through your body with your blood system. You kind of tour the entire visit every organ you visit every place and in every place you kind of stop and focus and and focus your energy at that moment and give it a chance to your body to respond to start talking back to you and it's not like it will happen at the first time because usually the truth is we are we put ourselves in some sort of war with our body and especially if we try to heal especially if we try to lose weight and you cannot go in a war with your body because inevitably your body must win. If your body doesn't win, you're dead. So your body has to win. So instead of fighting the body, you have to put yourself on a on the same boat and go like, I'm okay. I want you to win. And I want to be your friend. And eventually, so at the beginning, it's a lot of it is just, I actually, at the beginning, I encourage, I don't encourage people to like stop like truly bad habits like smoking or something right away when they start practicing. Because then you would have the withdrawals of all the our little things that we do. The first step to me is learning how to just be the ultimate observer without judgment. Like if, if you want to have ice cream at midnight, do it now for like at the beginning we're starting at just being able to look at it without judging we want to be able to look at it that okay i whatever smoked half a pack of cigarettes today i don't want to judge myself i don't want to fight against society i just want to be consciously aware of what is happening and not judge that situation and i think that the judgment itself um, no matter what is the true enemy when it comes to any kind of communication. So the first, the first thing is to start to just learning, going within your body and just kind of like pause in every place in your organs, in your body and see if you feel something. If you, you might not feel anything at the beginning, but usually if you truly have, if that area has some sort of problems, you will eventually start feeling um, things there. And you will start getting these messages and you will start becoming consciously aware of what is the best. And eventually, and this is the beautiful part, you crave the best thing for you. You don't have to like, you don't have to fight it and go like, Oh, I'm going to push myself from not doing it. And I'm going to really, really suffer because I'm going to go on this very specific diet and I'm going to suffer through this diet and I'll make it. And you can sort of fight it, but it's extremely hard to maintain. It's like you cannot maintain this war with your body for a really long time. But when you start being like in love or being a friend with your body, then your body actually can engage mechanisms that make you crave things that are beneficial for you. And so at that point, you actually look towards these things. So there is no suffering of the mind. There is no suffering of the body because the body wants to heal itself and it wants to crave the things that are good for you and in that terms it's kind of a lot of times the problem is that we are actually addicted to 
either food or habits or something. We, we are extremely addictive type of creatures, even if you're like on your outside, even if you don't have any addictive habits, like even if what would society say your worst addictive habits is drinking a coffee, um, you may have, they, they, they are definitely going to be other things that you may like look at. Is it like sugar that really hijacks your brain eventually? So we need to recognize these patterns of what are our own addictions. And in order to fix it, we cannot judge it during the time when we have it. So we just kind of have to like focus it. And once we actually know and we can actually see it, then we can ask the body for the help. And then the body itself will help us to, to change these things, to change these bad habits, to stop us from whatever it is that our thing that we do, that it's contraproductive for our own health. But you talked about that the being able to be in tune with your body and, and being able to find when things are not going quite right. We touched upon earlier that you can kind of make yourself ill when you're inside your head. What can you kind of do to overcome that? Because obviously if you perceive that you have a problem, it's kind of the wrong place to be in your mind. Right. Right. That's a well put together question. I think that once you observe that and once you are aware, I don't think our core is being self-destruction. Our basic instinct is survival. And so actually once you feed and you are okay to feed the true survival instinct that is inherently in every one of us, I think every person who even commits suicide actually is equipped with the survival instinct because they made it to that point. It just was their head. Like you said, that they brought them to the point that they are no longer, you know, feeling they need to be here. But these things generally happen because of the circumstances of their surroundings where they're at because there is plenty of people who are, you know, Stephen Hawking, I would say, uh, lived a very fulfilled life and the world looked up to him throughout his whole life and uh, from any person's perspective you could go like that guy had very limited ways of living and yet because his mind was correct he was able to go into the universe while we just feel lucky that we can walk and move he didn't care because inside his head was the entire universe. It was so much bigger than just this world had to offer. And that's what I think it's, it's important. If you get your body, if you get to that level, uh, you're not, you will not want to do that because our own sur- survival instinct, something that it's, we are every single person's born with it. That's why we have the life on this planet. Every single organism wants to survive nobody wants to just like be gone and so once you give to that and everything i don't think the self-sabotage would be happening but then do you think okay like the underlying uh kind of overall factor of the body when you feel that way inclined at times it's maybe fighting something that you don't perceive to be there so be uh an infection so to speak which is sometimes not apparent so like you were talking about it's the body's looking to survive so at times you when you are ill it's because the body's trying to fight something else right right i'm not sure if i understand your question here would would you think that if you're, but when you do feel ill at times, it's, it's because your body's actually fighting a foreign organism, so to speak, say infection. Um, what else would there be? But that's generally the mo- most causes as to why you get sick. Right. And it's a good thing. Like, of course, if you are able to communicate with your body, you are more likely to not more likely you are not any less likely to encounter these infections or something you're gonna still encounter them on the same scale as everybody else on your regular life 
the only difference here is that when you're able to communicate and you come in contact, let's say, with common cold or flu during flu season, uh, because you are able to communicate with your body and because your body can speak back to you, your body will let you know very soon, sooner than the people who are not aware. Let's say you're going to having, you know, common cold uh, coming on that you can, you encounter that those viruses somewhere and you come home and you can feel it like two hours later, you feel, you actually feel that infection wanting to come get you. And because it's too small in order to like really procreate in your body, you can very efficiently, you can go and help your body. You can go and, you know, have a bunch of vitamin C at the time when it really makes a difference. Because once you already like sniffing and coughing and giving yourself ephedrine based drugs so you can stay up and go to work when your body is literally telling you shut down you need to lay down you need you to lay down because we need the body like in order to heal it so you just pump yourself up on a caffeine you pump yourself on cough suppressants that none of these things actually help your body they just mask the symptoms and so it's you know it's very much like just um being, I was going to say, it would not be a proper word to probably say that, but like not just being not nice to your body, just go like, whatever, you deal with it, like, it's, it's fine, I have a work to go to. And this is a lot of times our approach because we feel I cannot miss the day of work, I, you know, cannot do that because I need, I have so much things to do. But if you actually are able to communicate well with your body, you feel these things come so much sooner so you can actually come back home and at the evening you already know something that you would not otherwise know till the next morning so you can stock up a vitamin c you can actually go and i say like i can just go along with the like herbal teas and i literally feel the pull towards some sort of herb, herbal tea that helps me to to have or I have propolis from my bees. So there are things you can do in order to like equip your body overnight. Then you go to sleep and you actually wake up. Instead of being sick, you wake up completely healthy because you gave your body a space. And one of the major things that I find very important, and it's hard for people to get, but like if you actually change the concept in your head, you can do it it's to take rest because a lot of times the body really is not asking for any doubt. It's not really even asking for anything. The best it can do. It's just, if you lay down and just let it be, just, just slow down, meditate and use meditation to make you feel better or just lay down and let it just, just give the chance to your body. And our problem is we often don't stop. We don't pause and we just, pump ourselves with masking symptoms, which the sickness wants, it's, it's happy because then you bring it to public. You actually, um, you know, there's, um, I, I've seen a study which showed that like, if you have a common cold at the time when your body, it's almost kill, almost done with the sickness. So you're like feeling better. It's that space when you're feeling better. Um, the way how it projects itself out, it's usually through sneezing, not really coughing itself, but a sneeze has a huge projectile chance for all these bacteria to come out. Somehow they affect our thinking. They actually affect all these viruses. They affect our thinking. That it was proven that once the people are coming out of cold, then they are the most infectious because the infection wants to come out. And we are more likely to go to any kind of social gathering. We actually crave a social life. And people go like, oh, I was just stuck at home. I was sick. I wasn't going anywhere, but now I feel better. So why don't I go to the potluck or, you know, why don't I go there? But um, it's in a way, it's, it's very interesting to me to see because even the sicknesses have a tendency to hijack our mind and serve them. And I think it's important for us to be able to consciously understand our body and understand what's going on so we don't have this um, system that will try to hijack our thinking and actually do things that are not good for us and not good for maybe the, the surroundings of us, like the people around us. But then that's quite difficult because we are social beings anyway. We want to be around people. So that's quite, in a way, ingenuitive of the, the illness. 
it it can be difficult but at the same time this is not for like forever like i was talking about coming out of cold so you know you're almost well so instead of like going and pushing your body who just was sick to tire it to actually make coming out of the sickness for longer and then we have that lingering cough through the that starts in um october and ends in may and through all the time like we go from being you know either being sick with the cold to being like 90 percent okay but having that <coughs> every once in a while and then we just go back to sick and then people go just go like so they basically tell you you know what whatever i had a cold and it's just been like this year it was so bad because it's been two months and i'm still not perfectly okay so actually waiting and maybe not doing that social gathering when we're coming out of the sickness and waiting three, four more days. It's not like you're supposed to stay in prison for a long time. It's just this time period where um, it's not beneficial for you. And it's definitely serving the sickness to spread itself out to other people. So in a way, it's actually not really cool of us to be going anywhere because we are bringing it to other people. And we are serving, we're just becoming like, um servants to the sickness we're doing its service to bring it somewhere else to somebody else because our body is towards the end of fighting it but if we go out we might not get rid of the final symptoms they might kind of like linger with us like i said throughout the entire winter months um and then other people around us get us so it's not i know it's hard but it's not like that that hard i think once you actually look at it from perspective that you say like is this truly my own thinking or is this heavily supported by some other organisms and that in itself to me i don't want to be ruled by anyone else you know i i hate that feeling and i think it was it's partially because i grew up being my having my health constantly in the health of doctors and my parents i don't like and so like the the, the, bare, the mere thought that a sickness can actually affect my mind and the way how i think makes me question during this time if this is truly my thinking or if i was the healthy person looking down at me what would i give myself as an as an advice like if my mind is actually truly there where it should be or if i'm just a little little bit push you know like if i'm not getting like some applause by my sickness going like hey you know the movie in a movie theater sounds really good and it just came out and you know it's the opening night and you should go in a movie theater so in that moment i'll go like you know what i'll go see the movie three days from now but now i've got you on the topic of illness what is your feeling in terms of be it um, when doctors say to uh, people, it's all right to, and see if I can get this right, either go, to, you can train if you have a head cold as opposed to a normal cold, but what is your take for you specifically? Should we be of the um, persuasion like you were talking about to avoid that social gathering, be it the gym, uh, an exercise environment, until we're 100% okay, three to four days down, down the line, no matter what kind of symptoms you're portraying? Um, I don't want, uh, this would be, if I answer this, it would be me speaking for everyone's body. And I think this might be an individual question. So to me, again, I would go to power is inside you. Your body has the answer. I don't have the answer. I have no idea. I, and it would depends, I'm assuming it would definitely depends on each case. You know, you have a cold, but you could have a harder infection. So you can be fighting something that is not uh, necessarily contagious. And so your need to go to social gathering could truly be just a social need. But because of your infections, maybe you are not in a physical position to do that. Um, maybe instead of it, if you craving some company, it would be better to ask your friends to come and visit you and make a, you know, decide to make a dinner and have your friends to bring some takeaway from some restaurant so you don't even have to cook, but like bring, you know, bring that life to you. 
bring other people into your life if this is what you want. Um, but uh, what I would say, if you have, if you are well connected to your body, your your body will have that answer. I, I cannot say the answer myself. It might be okay that you're not hundred percent for the body, and it might not be. But once you know, your body will tell you, and then you know. And my final question before we wrap up the episode is if we had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? You cannot expect to go in a war with your body and expect to win. You always have to be a friend, a loving friend, or have a lot of love towards yourself. And on the same boat. So once again, Otto Kara, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Game podcast. Thank you, James. It was wonderful talking to you. Definitely had some interesting questions and I had my mind uh, going here. So it was fun. It was my pleasure. And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.